Welcome to the Soulish Podcast, and thank you for being here. My name is Whitney Apke, and I am your host. On the Soulish Podcast, we're talking all about the aha moments, the uncomfortable and painful lessons of life, how to deeply connect with ourselves and others, and the breakthroughs, big or small, that we experience in our body, soul, and spirit. We'll dive deep, and I'm so excited to share my experiences and thoughts, as well as bring on guests who are thought leaders and truth seekers. It's my desire to uplift, encourage, and inspire you in each episode. I am very excited to introduce you to my guest today, Ariella Azaroff. Ariella specializes in helping her clients work through anxiety and depression by using cognitive behavior therapy, which helps us to understand our thoughts and feelings and how they impact our behavior. Let's dive into our conversation. It's so awesome to have you on the podcast. And um, I want to chat with you about core beliefs and fears and negative thought patterns, because we're going to be starting a little mini series on the Soulish podcast about all of these blockages, hindrances. And so I wanted to pick your brain on what you see in your practice and, and with the people that you work with on how impactful like a negative core belief is, whether they have it with themselves, others, or the world. Yes. So first of all, thank you so much for having me here. Um, it's so nice to connect with deep souls that you meet in the Insta world. Um, so the way that I always kind of frame what a core belief is, is it's just like we wear glasses, right? That we have a prescription that help us see the world. Core beliefs are really our prescription, our lenses of how we view the world. And the way we view the world is very impactful to look at the way that we grew up. Messages that were given to us by our parents, messages that were given to us by our family system, by our siblings from our childhood that have really ingrained in us different ways to view various parts of life, right? So it's pretty general talking about core belief, but it really does come from our childhood and from our past experiences or even traumas that have caused us to view things in a different way. And the way that core beliefs work that really impact the way we think is that if we've had a difficult experience, right, or if we've had a difficult upbringing or childhood, then that's going to impact the way that we view certain situations, which is sometimes the reason why our negative thoughts are fueled by that core belief. So I actually specialize in CBT, which is cognitive behavior therapy. And the best way to explain it really is by a triangle, that the top of the triangle are the thoughts And then the bottom right is the feelings and the bottom left are the behaviors. So when we take a look at this triangle, we understand that they're all interconnected, but it all starts with the way we think. We can then understand our feelings and then we can understand why we're so reactive and why it impacts our behavior because it all stems from the way we think. And, you know, in a lot of my work, my clients know, I uh, use a lot of analogies, a lot of analogies to kind of break down different concepts that feel totally abstract. And how do I even connect to that? And something I like to use a lot is kind of thinking of like a hamster on a hamster wheel, right? You see it like kind of going around the wheel, round and round and around, and it won't get off. And I think sometimes that's what happens in our headspace is that we just continue fueling these beliefs. And we don't even know we're on this hamster wheel unless we're in therapy, right? And we check ourselves or unless we're very self-aware, but it's very hard to get off that train, to get off that cycle of these negative thoughts. So true. So how do you help your clients to identify negative thought patterns 
or fears, like fearful thoughts, since that would affect then their feelings and then their behaviors, their actions? So that's a really good question. I think something that's come up, you know, so, so I specialize um, in anxiety and depression with young professionals. So I think a pattern I'm seeing with my clients is that the pandemic has created a lot of time for alone time to think that you're left with your thoughts and you're left with all of this open space, right? When you've kind of binged all the TV shows that you could and you're done with Zooming, right? And you're just kind of sitting there with your thoughts and you're noticing that it's kind of making you feel icky, right? You're just feeling like sad or you're feeling down or maybe your behavior changed. You don't have as much motivation to exercise or as much motivation to you know, get together with friends if you're able to in a socially distanced way, but it's impacting your behavior. And I had a client call the other week and she had said that she wanted to start therapy because she just hasn't been feeling herself. And she knows that, you know, when she thinks about what has changed, she notices that I've just had more thinking time. I've had more time to just be alone with my thoughts. And because I'm alone with my thoughts, that has really impacted my behavior, right? That's really made me more sad or more alone or not want to get together or not want to pick up the phone or not respond to my friends. And I think that's a good question, Whitney, because that's the place to start. You can have more awareness of your thoughts by looking at how it's making you feel and looking at how you're behaving. Has your behavior changed? Then we have to do a good mental housekeeping, right? We have to go through kind of like a sweep of our brain. What are we feeding ourselves? Yeah. What are we feeding ourselves? Which is huge because like you said, binge, binging Netflix, binging Hulu, binging YouTube is like probably been the thing that we've been uh, doing all of 2020 just to escape the news, to escape all the stress and even of work and not knowing if you have a job the next day. And so do you recommend, like, is there, is there a certain like either amount of time that we should dedicate to self-reflection versus binging Netflix? Um, or is there, is there any like methods or rituals or practices that we should incorporate in our daily life? To yes. That? Yes. There's tons. So first of all, you know, I think when you interview different therapists, you get different opinions. Mm-hmm. I'm very much of the opinion of, of balance, right? I think of the yin yang black and white, right? Not everything is all or nothing. Not everything is white and not everything is black. The place where we find peace is that gray area. So it doesn't mean that in quarantine, it's time to journal all day, right? And it doesn't mean that you have to sit there and watch Bridgerton all day, right? Or the Queen's Gambit all day. And you're just glued to your TV. I think that it's really about really teaching ourselves how to flex the muscle of discipline, of finding the time to be self-reflective. Because I do think that there's a mandated hard pause in the world. And when there's a hard pause in the world, you've got to take advantage of that to just slow down. I know something for me living in this hustle, bustle, New York City life, it's, caused, it's forced me to slow down. You can't go meet friends for drinks. You can't go run to the gym. You have to stay home. And when you're home and you're alone, what is your self-talk and how are you using your time? At the beginning of every year, as an offering of gratitude to the universe for all that I have been blessed with, I donate to a charitable organization that's mission aligns with mine. And this year, I am donating to No Kid Goes Hungry. In 2018, over 38 million Americans lived in poverty, 
and an estimated 15 million of those were children. According to the USDA, before the coronavirus pandemic, more than 11 million children in the United States live in food insecure homes, which means that those households don't have enough food for every family member. Today, projections show that 18 million children could face hunger this year. If this also resonates with you, join me this year in donating to No Kid Goes Hungry. The link is in the show notes for your convenience or go to nokidhungry.org. So I think to be mindful of how much time am I giving to my worry? You know, I have for a lot of my clients who, who struggle with anxiety, it's okay to worry, right? There's panic in the world. And something that I'd like to help a, a skill that I think is helpful, it's to put in a timer, right? Say five minutes, seven minutes, whatever feels right, and worry. Worry, worry, write down your worries, call a friend and worry, get it all out, get it out of your system. That's good. And then it's a hard stop. That alarm goes off, or you notice that that time is up and it's a hard stop, and you distract and you move on to something else. Wow, that's good. But you're not bottling down the fear, right? You're not just ignoring right. it. Right. You're expressing it, you're naming it, you're giving space for it, and then you're moving. That's so good. That's so good. Thank you so much for that. Because that's that's really helpful. I think most of it we've been taught is, oh, set a timer and meditate and try to try to push all of those thoughts away and out. And instead, it's probably even more helpful to give give yourself that space, hold space for yourself to feel well, all you, those feelings. Yeah. Well, if you don't, you explode right? If you don't give yourself time and space to unload, you're going to explode. It's going to come out in a different way. So you might as well, in moderation, allow yourself to feel it, right? What is grief? The way that grief doesn't get stuck in our body is when we allow it to move through our body, right? We feel it so hard and then you let it go. So noticing it, naming it, and just then letting it go and going on with your days letting it flow through you instead of getting stuck. Yes. Yeah. So that is a really good method uh, or practice to incorporate in your daily life because we're dealing with so much stress and we, but we want it to flow through us. We don't want it to get stuck in our bodies. And do you, do you know, like, cause I've heard different teachings on how things get stuck in our bodies. Is there like, does, actual physical activity help with that? Or do we have to have like mindful physical activity, like as you're breathing or doing yoga, like you have to be thinking through things to like get it out? Yeah. Good question. So the practice that, that I believe holds true in my own personal transformation and in my, in my professional work is that the body holds the score. So there are different signals, right? Do you ever go into a situation where you're like, stomach is freaking out and your heart is beating so fast and it's like, wait, what is going on here? Like, I'm just, you know, if you're at a party, if you're on a date, for a lot of people it could come up into it, or even if you're talking to somebody yep. and you're getting a weird sensation inside, that's your body kind of alarming you. Uh, something doesn't feel right. Something feels a little bit strange here. I'm not sure what it is. And we really have to tap into that. We have to take that seriously. So a part of what I find is very helpful and holds true is that when we tap into our physical sensations, right? When we tap into where are we holding space, where are we holding tension in our body, that often is an indicator that we're stressed out or that's an indicator that 
something is getting stuck. And something I've learned that is so helpful is sometimes to lay on your bed and kind of prop your feet up, right? So so your knees are kind of further apart and your feet are propped up and you're laying completely flat. Your hands are down and you take a really good deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. And you do kind of like a body scan from your temple all the way down to your feet, pressing your feet into the ground, remembering that you're always connected to earth, which is the present moment. When our body is still, it then creates a stillness in our mind, right? Mm. So yeah, we could be running, 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 and then we stop, but our mind can still be running. So physical activity is important. But if we're talking about a way to still the mind, a way to stop the running thoughts, it is so important for us to create space of stillness for our body. Think about where in our body we're feeling something and to take a deep breath in and breathe into that space to release the tension. I actually loved your um, IGTV where you did a guided meditation for the beginning of the year. So anybody who's listening, you need to go check that out because it's awesome. She does the body scan and you can at least use that as a tool and a reference for yourself to learn how to do that if you want to do that. So I loved that IGTV. I I, I went in with you <laughs> and I was like, anything that I need to release, I need to release in this moment. It's so good. Well, it's so important. And, and I appreciate that because I think that it gets stuck. It gets stuck. We get stuck in our head and grief can get stuck in our body and trauma can get stuck in our body. And the only way for it to get unstuck is if we create space for it to get unstuck, right? Is if we allow ourselves to say, okay, like I'm not okay right now, right? What is resilience? Resilience is that muscle that when we're faced with adversity, we're faced with a trauma, or we're faced with a global pandemic, right? And what's going to keep us going? That core strength of being able to jump back is when we recognize that something's not working and we connect and we jump into the discomfort. But if we try and just kind of breeze past it because it doesn't feel good, it's going to come up in a different way. Right. Yeah. And that's when we run into trouble. Like yeah. we're disease and other things, other ailments and things like that, or just a buildup. Well, disease, but also that's when we become more reactive. When we don't press pause, right? It's then, it's then we're so much more reactive because we're on autopilot, just fueling and, and operating from a place of behavior and reactivity. But when you kind of take this pause, you take a step back, you connect to what's going on, you feel it and you feel it hard. That's what allows it to move. You're bringing attention, you're taking that deep breath in and you're almost playing this mantra of I let go. Hey, it's me, Wit. Did you know that I'm a certified life coach? I have been coaching and mentoring people for over a decade now and I specialize with issues of the soul and focus on inner freedom and manifestation. I can help you realign with your values and purpose, break free from emotional blockages and negative thought patterns, and you will feel motivated and encouraged to take the necessary steps to live a fulfilling life. We all need support and someone to cheer us on or hear us out, and it would be a privilege to be a part of your journey. My sessions are designed so that you are free to address whatever you feel is most important. If you are interested, go to WhitneyApke.com forward slash coaching and sign up for a free 30-minute call. I can't wait to work with you. I was going to ask you, this is totally not super off topic, but what led you to doing this? Like, did you have a personal breakthrough that led you to this practice with people? We all have stories, right? We all have got stuff that we're walking around with. 
um, you know, I joke that I feel grateful that, you know, going in through college, I always knew I wanted to be a therapist and growing up, um, you know, I remember kind of always being curious about people, you know, like my parents saying like, oh, hell, I don't ask that. Or why are you asking that? Right. Like that's not something we ask. And me just feeling curious. I love people. I love hearing people's stories. I mean, I'm the type of person that I'll be in an Uber and it's not just an Uber drive. It's like, I got his yeah. whole story and his whole history. Yeah. And a, par- a part of what I do resonate, do you connect to that with me? Totally. Like, really 1, <laughs> to understand people. Yeah. Um, and I think a part of, of what led me into the work I do now is, is a bunch of things. But first of all, is navigating my own anxiety, right? Having to check myself and my own anxiety. And I think through various um, relationships and through various mistakes, a lot of my work is listening to your inner voice. Is how do we embrace our critical voice? How do you, you know, I have a client that calls it like the drunk monkey that kind of sits on her shoulder that kind of like feeds her all this like, garbage right but like when you're drunk you think you're making sense and you're like really passionate but it makes no sense so it's kind of this drunk monkey our critical voice that's just on our shoulder and then have this healthy part of us that's really our inner essence that's our, our true soul right it's our essence that calm regulated place is who we really are and all the anxiety is kind of just shadow coming over us so yes I've definitely been through different things in my life that I've held on to intense anxiety or I've I've misread different emotions that have come up as as my gut being tainted or my anxiety, but it was actually indicators to point me to danger that I didn't listen to. And, you know, so much of what my work is 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 self-acceptance and embracing all our parts. And when we embrace all our parts, we also have to embrace our mistakes mm-hmm. and how we grow from them. Something you just said sparked a, another question to me because the reason why this conversation is so important is because if you if you don't clean up your core beliefs, like making sure that there's no hindrances, blockages, um, you know, hit the restart button um, on just how you see the world, your perception, your perspective, just making sure that there's nothing that's going to hold you back is because for that very reason, then your compass is off then navigating life is so much more difficult, tumultuous, can lead to a lot of pain or loss or suffering. And so that's why this conversation is so important. And the work that you do is so important because you help clear things up for people and help people navigate, like either taking steps back or taking steps forward or um, reevaluating why they think that about themselves or about other people or about the world. So... I love the way you just said that because it's really our compass that propels us. So when you're not in touch with your compass or when you assume your compass, right, or your inner, your, you know, you want to call it your soul or your inner teacher, whatever it is that feels right for you, if we want to kind of bog that down and say you're not right or we don't want to listen to it, it's exactly what you said, Whitney, it gets us into trouble, right? And then we live, we've been through pain and we've been through trauma, but learning to take ourselves seriously is what I feel most passionate about. That learning to tap into your soul and into your gut and listening to that and not building a narrative of what that may mean is so important. Mm-hmm. It's so important to navigate life and relationships. Relationships for sure. <laughs> do you do a lot of relationship like couple counseling or therapy? 
Yes. So I do, I do a lot of couples counseling. Um, what I really end up doing a lot of work with, I work with a lot of women I work with, I, and, and specifically, um, young professionals. So twenties and thirties of women who are struggling with everything we're talking about, self-esteem, insecurity, um, anxiety, depression, and often what comes up obviously is dating and relationships and relationship with themselves, first of all, and then relationships with how they interact with the world, whether that be men, women, colleagues, parents. So the relational issue isn't just to, in the context of a, of a husband or a girlfriend or boyfriend, mm-hmm. um, it's also in the context of your relationship with yourself and how then that implements and how that kind of impacts you as a person in the world and different relationships. I love that. That's so awesome because I think that self-discovery and learning who you are, like that's so much about our twenties, like your twenties and thirties are, I feel like you discover something new about yourself all the time, but, but especially your twenties and thirties, because you're branching out, you're, probably out living outside of your family and doing your own thing, having your first new job or, you know, so it's like a whole new world. But sometimes that word self-discovery is so, can seem so big. And like, how do you even start that? What is like a methodology to help your clients go through that self-discovery process? But do you have any like tips or anything like that of how you can navigate if you feel like you need to go into that place of self-discovery, like how to do that? I definitely think going into a place of self-discovery should be with somebody you trust. I think mm-hmm. that it should be with, with a, a therapist, like a licensed therapist to really help you um, navigate that because some stuff comes up. And as you said, you know, the young professional age, it's called like the emerging adult, right? And mm-hmm. um, that's more of a recent term, but you're emerging into adulthood, right? There's this thing, the imposter syndrome, it's a real thing, right? In your 20s and even your 30s, like everyone else around me is taking me seriously. Like I should probably take myself seriously. So you're trying to navigate how do I emerge from my childhood and understand the lessons from my childhood and how that's kind of impacted me and how do I fit into society apart from my family and apart from my childhood. Right. But in terms of self-discovery, I definitely think you need to do it in a safe space. You know, I think we're always on a journey of self-discovery. We are constantly evolving every single second of every day. We're evolving, trying to be our real best self, right? We're trying to really connect to ourselves. But a place of self-discovery and navigating through something difficult, it needs to be done in a safe space because there's a lot of self-awareness and we need we need a guide of when to stop us, right? I think those of us, maybe if you're tuning into yeah. this, you're you're drawn to the soul-ish podcast. I love the name of that, Whitney, because you're self-reflective and you're analytical and that could be a huge strength and that could also be super dangerous, right? If it's not monitored and if you always, we don't want to live in our head. We also want to live in the now. We want to live in our body. We want to live in the present. Right. So doing that, I think with a guide in therapy would be super helpful. Especially if you're coming out of something really traumatic or painful or you have a lot of healing to go through, right? It's a big deal. Yes, for sure. I was going to ask you about negative thought patterns and like negative emotional loops, because that can be something that I see even in my clients that I coach through is they have such a hard time getting out of that negative thought pattern. 
because it's so ingrained in just their day-to-day life. And I mean, typically what I use is is just that self-awareness of catching it at the beginning if you can, or when, when you become aware of the negative thoughts that are happening to just be aware of them and to observe them uh, for the first time instead of letting it go unconsciously. Um, And that I've seen a lot of help with that, but I didn't know if you had any professional tips on how to unlock it, stop it, um, because I've seen it, it usually takes a while. So I don't know if you have any other pro tips Mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's such a good, good question. Um, Because I think so many of us struggle with it. And the way Mm -hmm. that I like to think about negative thinking traps is again, here goes my analogy train. You guys with me? Remember the old school video game Mario Kart on the N95, right? Nintendo yes. and Mario always had to kind of, we only had a few lives and Mario always wanted to kind of jump over the hill, but he didn't want to go into that loop where then you'd lose a life, right? He always wanted to jump over. And the way that I think about thinking traps is kind of like that loop where Mario would fall into that we want to go over. So negative thinking traps are... Um, there's there's a bunch of them, but just to name a few, it's all or nothing thinking, right? I'm either going to win or I'm going to lose, right? Um, he's either going to love me or he's going to hate me, right? I'm either going to pass or I'm going to fail. Um, another thinking pattern that gets us, a thinking trap that gets us in trouble is drawing conclusions. I'm going to fail. I know he's not going to like me, right? Another thinking trap that gets us in trouble is assuming, right? When we assume what's going to happen, yeah. it's really painful, right? Generalizing, labeling, there's so many. And a way to get out of the thinking traps first and foremost is to build awareness that it's even happening. That is where all of our consciousness takes place. We have these subconscious thoughts that flow through our mind all day and it is tiring, right? Imagine again, that hamster on the hamster wheel, you're just exhausting. You know, sometimes my clients say like, you don't want to know what goes on in my head. It's exhausting. And I want to say, I get it, right? I'm human. I understand what, how the human mind works. It's exhausting sometimes. So the first place to start is to build awareness. Okay, there I go. Kind of like you want to imagine like a stop sign, like that, to stop. I see what's going on here. One thought is going to lead to the next, right? It's like dominoes. You flick one down, it goes, yeah, boop, 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 they all go down. So to build awareness around what lane you're going into, I'm starting to go down a bad path. Notice it. And I think the biggest thing to do is to observe it, is to let it pass, right? When we attach it to our reality, when we attach a negative thought to our reality, we build a movie, right? Sometimes we're our our Mm -hmm. own best producers of movies of our lives. We build Mm -hmm. a movie in our heads of what's going on when like it didn't even happen. So I think the first place is to really press pause press a hard pause and to observe it. Okay. I hear that thought. Don't let it pass. Let it go. Let it slide by. I'm not going to attach it to my reality and build my narrative of what is because it's not true. You know, I have another IG TV on this, but calming our inner critic, right? Mm -hmm. I think especially for young professionals, um, you're so sweet. Yeah. I think a lot of time for all of us that we are our own critic. Right. As I said before, quarantine has given space to self-reflect, to get in our heads. But when we get in our heads and when we're alone with our own self-talk, right, we're more mindful of, wow, I could be really mean to myself, right? Do you ever call a friend and then you hang up and you're like, I was like so nice to her, right? She's struggling at work and I'm just like 
empowering her and encouraging her that she's doing great. And, and like, I don't talk to myself like that. Right. Mm -hmm. What is my self-talk with myself? Jeez, I'm so mean to me. So I think something else, just when we're talking about core beliefs and we're talking about negative thought patterns, I think a really healthy place to start is by noticing the way you talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I speak a little bit about this on my, on my IDTV, but the biggest tip I think to give, you know, I heard this, this story once that a mom, someone was walking past the mom with a stroller and the kid in the stroller was having a tantrum, this like cute three-year-old boy. And the mom was just like, wow, so many feelings at once, all the feelings, so many feelings at once. And it was like, so sweet the way she responded, right? Because really what the mom wants to do is like, shut up, right? Like, yeah. calm down, you're making a scene, I'm embarrassed. But this mom stopped and said like all the feelings. And what we learned from that, and I think this is a really important tip, is that when that critical part of us comes up and when it creeps up, what we need to do is we need to say, talk to it as if we have that cute three-year-old sitting next to us, right? So keep in mind, think of like a, a cute kid right? And how you would respond to that child, right? What would you say, right? If a kid was having a tantrum, would you say, shut up? Or would you say, okay, I know it's really hard. You really want that candy right now. Oh, I know me too. That's how we talk to ourselves, right? Our, our self-talk is often like, you could have done better. Why didn't you stay on that treadmill for five more minutes? Why did you eat that cookie? Blah, 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 right? We're so mean to ourselves. So when we start to take note of the way we are responding to ourselves when we're alone, that's where the transformation and the healing begins. When we start to create a place of compassion for that inner critic and we invite it in, I see you, I hear you. I'm gonna let it pass. I'm not gonna pay it too much mind. I'm gonna let it go. That's that right. is so healing. Yeah, I love that. That picture of that mom, that's the kind of mom I want to be. <laughs> and also how I want to be kind to myself and give myself, she was holding space for her child to be having a tantrum and to be feeling all the feelings. And we need to definitely do that for ourselves, especially after everything we've been through, whether you've actually known somebody who's had COVID or, you know, someone who's passed away recently, or you've gone through anything, losing your job, it doesn't really matter. Just collectively all the all the energy that we're feeling just collectively is enough to to need to do that and hold space for ourselves and just be kind and compassionate so that's a really good tip yeah that's a really good tip <laughs> well thank you so much for your time really 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 appreciate it thank awesome. you for creating this platform for all of us to learn how to tap into ourselves and to just have this growth mindset of continuing to want to be the best version of us to really live our best lives. So thank you for initiating and having me here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. The Soulish podcast is not only a podcast, but a community where we can relate to each other and support each other in our soul journeys. Join the community on Instagram and Facebook at I Am Soulish. Thank you.